Hey, it's Jason. Before we get into this podcast episode, quick question for you. And that is, would a private voiceover community help you? Basically, uh, think of it like a place, like an online community to meet, ask questions, encourage others, and get audition feedback so that you can grow as a voiceover actor and grow your business. Is that something that you would be interested in? I've had some students ask me about it, so I just wanted to kind of put a feeler out there and just see uh, if there's any interest in a voiceover community. If you want to see more details about it and give your input, you can do that at voiceacting101.com slash group. There's a form there. You just fill it out. That's got some questions on it, and that'll kind of give me some uh, feedback on whether or not you're interested in it. It's up in the air right now. I'm not sure which way it's going to go, but it is something that has been brought up a few times. So I just wanted to put it out there and see uh, if there was anyone else interested in it. Again, it's voiceacting101.com slash group. I'd love to get your input on it. All right, that's it. Now on to the podcast. If you're auditioning for voiceover work, but not booking jobs, you're probably wondering why. Why would a client choose someone else over you? What did that person do that you didn't do? And what could you have done differently? That is what we're going to be talking about today on the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Voice Acting 101 podcast. Jason here with episode number 20. And you may remember last time we talked about why you'd want to hire a voiceover coach If you missed that episode, it is number 19. You can look for a link below where you can go check it out. But the short answer to why you would want to hire a voiceover coach is if you're auditioning but not booking jobs. A coach can help to point out some of the mistakes that you may be making so that you can fix them, uh, make those improvements, and hopefully get more work. Because unfortunately, clients don't usually tell us the reasons why we didn't get the job. Now, I say usually Uh, because in most cases it doesn't happen. But recently, a client did tell me a few of the factors that they took into consideration when they uh, ended up making their choice of picking someone else's audition over mine. So this isn't a job I actually booked. It was a job that I didn't book. Uh, And they didn't just tell me. They told everyone who didn't get the job, and they didn't give details about why they didn't choose me specifically. Uh, But they do give hints on why they hired the voice actor that they did. And I think this is something that we can all learn from. So that's why I wanted to share it in today's podcast. Now, like I said, this hardly ever happens. Agents, clients, casting sites, you know, usually they've got a project that they want done, probably with a tight deadline. So once they find the voice that they want, they don't usually have the time to go back and talk to everyone who didn't get the job. So I thought this was very kind of this client to take the time to do this because it's just uh, not something that happens very often but it is something that we can all learn from. And, you know, voiceover being a business where every audition that we do is pitching our service for a job uh, and that job could turn into a long-term client. If you can figure out why someone did or did not hire you, even if they seem like, you know, really small hints, then you can take that insight and you can make some adjustments. And then over time, uh, the small changes that you end up making can have a big impact in your business. So that's why it's important to kind of analyze why you're being hired or why you're not being hired. So let's go ahead and get into the three factors that this client mentioned about what they considered or what they were thinking when they picked uh, who they were going to hire for their job. So I'll go ahead and uh, start reading the message and it starts like this. It says, I have chosen a voice talent, but I thought you might want to know some of the reasons behind my decision. First, I received 63 submissions. That is amazing and unfortunately speaks to how stiff the competition is for the project. All right, so let's stop there for a second. So the first point that this client is making 
is that voiceover is competitive, if you didn't already know. They received 63 auditions, they said. And I'm guessing, you know, since they took the time to write this, that they probably also took the time to listen to all 63 auditions. And I know we've talked about competition in voiceover on the podcast before, but if you hear that you're competing against 62 other voice actors, how does that make you feel? Does it seem like a lot to you? Uh, Do you think the chances of you landing that job are slim? Or are you on the opposite side? Do you hear 63 and think, okay, that's, you know, less than 100? That's not bad. Do you like those odds? Either way, you know, I think the takeaway lesson from this point is that you're up against a lot of talented people. So uh, do the auditions you submit stand out from the crowd? Or are you performing to the best of your ability in your auditions? That's what we can learn from that point right there. All right, let's uh, keep moving on with number two. They say, second, the talent I chose provided three readings of the partial script, altering the inflection in each. This told me that they have the ability to modify their approach if necessary. I've worked with voice talent in the past who simply could not get what I was looking for. This was a big factor in the decision. All right, so with this client, they want to know that whoever they're going to hire, that they've got the goods and can deliver exactly what they're looking for. Uh, you know, they said that they've been burned in the past. They've hired a voice actor. They probably liked an audition that they heard, or maybe they just liked a voice and they thought that they could direct the voice actor to uh, get the read that they wanted. But then they found out that that person only had that one type of read that they did in the audition, which wasn't exactly right or what they were looking for. So I think that there are two key takeaways from this point. Uh, first, to give some variety and, you know, show your range. And we already do this with our demos, right? Hopefully you do. That's why it's so popular to have short demo samples that are completely different. So if you picture someone listening to your demo, it's kind of a way to say, is this the voice style you're looking for? And then no. Okay. Well, how about a softer read? No. How about a high energy read? So you're showing them what you can do and what you're capable of. And I'm guilty of just doing the one take auditions mostly for the sake of time. So, uh, you know, maybe you are as well, but would we land more jobs by including more than one take in our auditions? You know, it worked for the person who got this job. And also, uh, just like with the demo, the audition takes, you know, they shouldn't sound identical. They don't want two takes of the same read style. You want your audition to say, I can do it this way. And then take two would be, I can do it this way. Or take three would be, I can do it this way. So you want variety in the takes that you're providing. So three takes for every audition, you know, that's what they mentioned. That still, that seems like a lot of uh, takes to me for an audition, but uh, this voice actor did it and the client appreciated it. So that's something to consider. And then the other key takeaway from this point is that we need to be able to follow directions. We need to be able to listen to the direction that the client gives and then know right away what we need to change to get the client what they want. And sometimes that means Uh, Going against our like go-to read or what comes naturally to us or what we think it should sound like. So having the ability to follow direction and adapt to what the client wants, that usually comes down to experience, but you can also learn those skills uh, through ongoing practice and working with a voiceover coach. That was hiring consideration number two. Let's move on to uh, hiring consideration number three that they mentioned. So they say third... Price was not a deciding factor. I was looking for someone who could convey what I had in my head, and I believe the talent I selected is able to do that. All right, so they said price was not a deciding factor. So that means cheaper doesn't always win. I think, you know, what's obvious is that this job was cast 
entirely on who they thought the best person for the job was. And one thing that's great about being a non-union voice actor is that we have the freedom to set our own rates. You can negotiate, you can work within budgets if you want, but for some people, they use that as kind of a crutch and they think, if I can't compete with the skill level, I'll just try to get the advantage by lowering my price. And in this case, price was not a deciding factor and it made no difference. Also, a couple other things I want to point out here that made no difference, according to what they said. They didn't hire the person based on the model of the microphone that they used, right? They didn't say, you have to have this kind of microphone or else we're not going to hire you. Uh, That wasn't a deciding factor. Also, they didn't hire based on a resume or because the person listed some big brand name as a past client. That's kind of a fear that some new people have that they have no experience and they can't say that uh, they've worked with uh, so many clients. They can't say that and they think that that's going to hold them back. That wasn't a deciding factor for this client. And also, uh, they didn't hire based on the person living in New York or L.A. or some major city. That's another fear that uh, some people just starting out in voiceover have, that you have to live in New York or L.A. But that wasn't a deciding factor according to uh, this message that they sent. So there's no mention of any of those things. But what did make the difference was proving to the client that you could be the voice that they hear in their head. If you could be that voice, if you could show them that, uh, then you probably would be hired for that job. So hopefully you enjoyed and learned something from this analysis of what a client considers when they hire a voice actor. And just to summarize, uh, the key takeaways from this are first, are you performing to the best of your abilities with your auditions? Are you able to compete against the others and stand out? And if not, what do you need to do to get there? Do you need more practice, maybe more coaching? Uh, Whatever it is, find out and uh, try to perform to the best of your abilities. And then second, Are your auditions showing your abilities and your range, right? When you audition, are you giving yourself as many chances to win the job as possible? Three takes feels like a lot to me. Uh, You could do that. Two takes seems a little more doable. uh, And if you make them different sounding enough, it's going to double your odds of booking the job. And then the third key takeaway would be to remember a lower price doesn't always tempt a client to choose you. And you may be attracting lower quality clients with lower rates. But proving that you can interpret the script and follow directions and know how to be the voice inside the client's head, that can be more important to the client than the rate that you're charging. Now, of course, these may not be the only deciding factors since each client hiring decision is going to be different. But hopefully from this analysis, you can see some of the most important things a client considers when they go to hire a voice actor. And then finally... One last thing to take with you is to try to learn from your failures, right? This is a job that I didn't even book, but thanks to the kindness of the client, they gave us some lessons to learn uh, that we could take with us and help us to improve from here on. All right, so if you need help starting your search for a coach, if you think that you need to improve, there's a coaches section on the Voice Acting 101 resource guide. You can find a link to that in the links and resources section below. And if you know of a coach or you are a coach who should be listed on there, make sure that you leave a comment on the resource guide and tell us about them. All right, so I know this episode wasn't a question like normal, uh, but hopefully these insights helped you. Don't forget, take a minute to record and upload your voiceover question to be answered on an upcoming podcast episode, because I would love to hear your voice on the podcast. All right, so you can look for that link uh, to upload your voiceover question. That's going to be in the links and resources below. All right, that's it for this episode. I'll talk to you next time. Have a great week.